if the U.S. government, the media, the legal system, and the church can't keep democracy alive. It's time for a state sale, a podcast on American democracy, because America is better than this. Welcome, everyone, to the estate sale. I am Lori Lattimore Volkman, and I am joined by Brad Rayleigh. <laughs> That's my radio voice. It's good. It's good. You have a good radio voice. <laughs> Today, we are going to lament the passing of the notorious RBG, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, just a wonderful Supreme Court justice, a fantastic icon for so many reasons for for women for justice for equality for just goodness in america and unfortunately she is no longer with us but we do want to talk about what that means politically and socially but sadly we must also talk about our insane president who thinks that he can remain in power even if he loses the election because he is just going to stay there <laughs> and he's going to get his Republican loyalists, i.e. Klansmen, to help him do it. <sighs> but first, let's talk notorious RBG. So we're a week uh, after the passing of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and uh, I, I'm pretty sure it was last Friday. Uh, I was sitting outside with Lisa by the fire and happened to see it on my phone, and the night went pretty dark, I have to say. What I, I know you texted me a little bit later to see if I had heard the news. Uh, what was your initial thought? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No. I got a text from a friend, RBG has died. And I was like, no way. Yeah. <laughs> and it felt like, how can we keep taking these punches in the face? You know, 2020 yep. is just awful for so many reasons, yeah. beginning with the coronavirus, but ending with this ass clown that we have in the White House who just continues day after day to beat up the Constitution and to know that one of the greatest constitutional warriors was no longer with us was just a gut punch. That, yeah. That's all. <laughs> no, I, I felt it too. And I, and I honestly, I think I slept probably as poorly that night as I have any night since uh, the 2016 election. And it, it is a, it's an absolute blow because she was such a, a force. And, uh, you know, I'm sure you've seen, I mean, she's the first Jewish woman to lie in state in the Capitol. Actually, this was actually a really sweet story about her. I don't know if you saw this about uh, the late uh, Justice Scalia, who I really did not care for at all. Evidently, those two were really tight. A lot of respect between them. Scalia used to send Ruth flowers quite often. Um, just, and I mean, that's a really humanizing story in the middle of, you know, where we seem to lack any of that. Um, right. And I have no idea how they interacted when they were on the opposite side of issues. I didn't dig into that much. But, you know, she has been, you know, pretty widely respected. And of course, one of the things we saw today is that both Mitch McConnell and um, uh, McCarthy, the House uh, Republican leader, are not attending the, the service or, or to go to pay their respects, which I think is um, in, it's, it's in keeping with their misogynist. I mean, these are horrible people. I mean, let's just be honest. Um, and but to it's, be it's honest, a, 
I'm glad they don't. You know, yeah. when when those kind of people go to those kinds of things, they're only doing it for the public image and you yeah. know it's hypocritical anyway. So you know what? Fine. Stay away and let us see who you truly are, you pieces yeah. of garbage. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, of course, Trump went to, uh, I guess, where she was lying in state at the Supreme Court. This was yesterday and was booed. And, and uh, he claims he didn't hear the vote him out chance, but I'm pretty sure. Which is total BS. We know that. Yeah. You know, several people on Twitter uh, commented that this is, he has so curated uh, his rallies, his clan gatherings, <laughs> that he doesn't actually hear, you know, and he just goes on Fox News and everything. He doesn't really hear the criticism except seeing uh, when somebody really noteworthy says something and then he can attack them. But he's, yeah, well, well, we'll get to the to the election part, but let's let's talk a little bit about. Obviously, this is a blow. This isn't the first time that the court has turned to the right, but we know that whoever uh, Trump appoints, and it seems clear now that the Senate Republicans are hell bent on getting whoever that is approved as soon as possible. Um, there are a couple elements to that that I think, in terms of the political side, that are actually more fraught with peril for the Republicans than they than many of them realize. But of course, I mean, it's a big shot to, as you said in, in the intro, in terms of the, you know, protections for, uh, certainly for pro-choice, uh, the, you know, this, this seems like this is the Republican and the conservative right's best chance to overturn Roe. Um, I have mixed feelings in, in the sense that I think that may not be as good for them as they think it is. I think it's awful for women, by the way. But I also think that one of the things about Ruth uh, Bader Ginsburg is that she was, as you highlighted, she was a great supporter of equality. And so one of the things I've actually been more fearful of are actually my my gay and lesbian friends, um, hoping that all of them, if they were planning on getting married, get married as soon as possible. I, mean, I don't I, I I honestly don't think the court wants to open that can of worms and and overturn. Uh, gay marriage. Uh, I mean, you know, just to 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 essentially, they would have to address this issue of all the gay couples that are married since since uh, since that ruling. And I don't think they want to do that. But I don't know. You know, the ideologues when they start to make decisions that that can really turn badly. And so, yeah. So, I mean, obviously, from just from the court perspective, what what are your thoughts there? Yeah. No, I'm worried. <laughs> yeah. I. Because what we have seen is, despite public opinion being strong one way, this administration, this Republican Party, they are bringing these issues out just to rile up a base, even though 60% of the people don't want to overturn Roe v. Wade. 70% yeah. of the people don't want to overturn ACA. And it's probably higher than that. Like, I don't know what other percentages are, but we have seen right. time again. I'm sure it's a high percentage don't want to overturn the Gay Marriage Act. Right. So they're not doing it because they're paying attention to the voters or to the public or to public opinion. They're doing it to ram through something that they can use to say, look, we did this for you, you know, to keep that conservative yeah. vote coming. They, you know, I think... I don't think they're looking beyond, I mean, they really don't care. They truly don't care what happens to gay people. They don't care what happens to voting rights of, of everyone, but particularly black and brown voters. Right. They 
definitely don't care what happens to the healthcare because why should, why should they care what happens to most people when they get free healthcare and they also have money to buy healthcare. So we know they don't care. And that even though those are big issues that the public supports in large majorities, they're only going for something that is part of their ideological stance. And so I don't think they're looking any farther than, than that. I mean, it does seem to describe the Republican Party over the last, I want to say, 15 years, where there's been just sort of a, I picture it almost like a spiral down, where instead of being looking at bigger picture issues, they've just sort of, you know, everybody says that we're all kind of li living in a news bubble where we get our news uh, in an echo chamber. And I think that's true for a lot of people. I know you and I read uh, fairly widely and know what the arguments are out there. But I think actually for a lot of these Republicans, they really are in that bubble. And so they, they really are just looking at that and not seeing the broader implications. I mean, let's say they overturn Roe, which I think is certainly possible now. I don't think they realize how, how much that's going to upset women, suburban women, even women who perhaps they themselves would never get an abortion. When they start to see these kind of implications of states where you know, where they start to, to investigate miscarriages, where they start to, you know, I mean, one of the things I imagine uh, in a Republican-led state, you could have a situation where they're requiring doctors to report pregnancies, positive pregnancy results, and then, you know, so they can track them, which means I think for a lot of women, especially if they are, you know, either have health issues or economic issues or it's an abusive relationship or something like that. That means they won't seek out a doctor in the beginning. I mean, I know I'm speculating here about a possible, but it seems likely to me that they would do something like that. You know, I, mean, I, mean, I literally think all they care about is, well, we get this Supreme Court justice in here and we are controlling everything for 30, 40 years. I mean, you know, yeah. these, these guys are young. And so these conservatives are in their 50s. They're on this court for, for you know, two or three generations. And right. they see that as consolidating their power. Yeah. And I think they recognize they're likely to lose the Senate and possibly the White House. And so they're going to shore up that power now because that, that, will, that will keep their ideology fresh and relevant in some way for a long time. And that, yeah. you know, that will... And and, that is what, I mean, it's, it has everything to do with the power behind that, not the actual issues. Most of those people, they don't, they don't care about abortion one right. bit. And they correct. really, they just, they just don't care. They do like the idea of not letting women make a decision, you know, right. but it's not, it has nothing to do with a real no. Christian or biblical no. conviction. You know, it has nothing to do with that. Same thing with healthcare. They just don't want poor people to be able to have access. Right. And they want um, to deregulate. I mean, they really, they want to deregulate corporations and allow them to do, I mean, that, that's probably where more of their influence is or more of their kind of goal is. Um, they want, you know, I, I mean, it, Lori, for the life of me, I cannot understand. This is, this is something I've been asking since, since 2000 when I realized that Republicans and Republican Christians were all in on greed. I mean, I look at these people in the Senate and some of these people, I'm like, how much money do you think you actually need? You don't need, I mean, you, you can't spend the money you have now. I, I mean, it's, it's an honest question. It's never about an amount though. Never. Well, I know. It, is, but it is only about power. Yeah. No, I, I agree power. with that. You know, I, I think this, uh, the unfortunate, one of the real unfortunate sides of this, I think it does give the evangelical right uh, a boost, an adrenaline boost, thinking that they're actually going to see something 
which again is an identity issue. They don't really give a shit about, you know, uh, protecting life or un unborn or whatever the shit they use. I mean, that's, that's all, that's all a lie. I've realized that so much, even in the people in my life that are like this, they don't actually believe in that. And so, but this gives them that identity boost and it gives them that pat on the back. I don't know. I mean, if we, if we look at this politically, this and this reversal from 2016 on the Supreme Court justice, I think it's hurting Lindsey Graham. I think in South Carolina, I think it's helping Jamie Harris. As we saw actually after the Kavanaugh hearing, uh, you know, if you think about that, that was two years ago. Oh my God. It up in my Facebook memories. And that was a big inspiration for a lot of people voting in the fall in 2018. That did not go over well. That cost them the house, I think, uh, pretty clearly. So, you know, and I agree with you that they're not thinking about that. They're trying to get what they can uh, now and just sort of uh, they assume that having the court will protect them in ways that. <laughs> well, it will, because it, it, it could it could protect it could, it could end up protecting their president, sadly. Um, it could, but it's, it's, they're also uh, Trump's kind of, and, and Mike Pence's kind of overt saying, we need to get this justice approved because we may have litigation after the court, after the election. One of the things I think, I mean, it, it sort of goes back to your point about them being young justices. They know they're going to be on the court well past Trump. So they have a legacy to, to protect as well. And so one of the things, I mean, we've already seen some independence from uh, Gorsuch um, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. That one of the things I think you appoint somebody like Amy, what's her name, uh, who, by the way, is, uh, I think, against the death penalty. So, yes, she's pro-life on, uh, on abortion, but she may actually throw some wrenches in some of the other things that conservatives have if she's the one that they choose. But one of the things about a person like that that gets appointed right before a contentious election, they, I think, because they're very arrogant people, I mean, with some justification, these are the elite of the legal field. I don't think they well, want to. They're supposed to be. <laughs> yes. I don't think they want to be seen as just a Trump toady. I mean, there's, there's a possibility, by the way, if he appoints them and then his reelection is before the court some of those may actually feel a need to recuse themselves, that they uh, cannot be trusted to, I mean, they, they, could have, they could have bought themselves a situation that they don't really realize. I, I hope I mean, you're I'm, right. I'm, yeah, of course. <laughs> I'm far um, more cynical about the, this outcome with this court. Yes. No, no, and, and with good justification. I mean, we've got some very ideological, that's one of the things Republicans have done is instead of putting on good conservative people, which I actually think John Roberts is a decent human. I, 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 I really resent him on voting rights. Yes. But I think on other things, I, I actually feel like he, and he's very concerned about the, uh, the uh, legitimacy of the court. Um, I think he's a decent human being. I don't think Clarence Thomas is a decent human being, and I don't think Alito is either. Um, Gorsuch, I actually, I think he's probably a decent human. I mean, I think he's ideological in a way that I don't understand or respect, uh, but I don't think he's a bad person. Uh, Kavanaugh, I, I mean, I, I can't Kavanaugh stand Kavanaugh is a frat boy. He's a bad person. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Um, but, but again, one of the things I think that's a possibility, and I'm not saying you can count on this at all, is that all these people want to be seen in history as 
they want to be great legal minds. They don't want to be seen as political pawns. Uh, so we'll see how that kind of plays out. And one of the things that, that gave me sort of a boost of energy last, last week, actually, there are a lot more Senate seats in play than I realized. And in places I did not even consider. I had forgotten Kansas existed, for example. Um, because, <laughs> That's okay. A lot of people do. <laughs> well, since, since we moved from Oklahoma, I don't drive through it all the time. So I just sort of blocked it out of my mind. And I'm, so, you know, the, the woman who's running uh, for the Democratic seat in, in, in the Senate in, in Kansas, she's a physician. She's a former Republican. She actually, her first position within the state was in the Republican Party. She stood up against some of the ideologues and they actually demoted her. They took away her, her chairmanship. And she switched parties and she's she's a Democrat and, you know, concerned about healthcare issues and everything else and has a chance because the guy that they the guy that beat Chris Kobach or whatever that fucking voter suppression asshole is, he lost all of the big suburbs in in Kansas. So I think she has a real good chance. Then you switch over to Iowa and Joni Ernst has to be one of the more fearful uh, Republican senators out there right now because she's got a good female candidate who is is on her tail. Uh, Trump, here's here's the part that, that really gets interesting is Trump is not leading in Iowa. He's not. He's tied in Georgia. Texas is technically in play. I mean, there 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 are places that are really actually on on the on the line there, and how that affects those down ticket races. Uh, Hager in in Texas, a veteran. A woman, <laughs> I don't know if you saw, this was a, a fantastic, somebody, uh, Cornyn, who of course is a shit, uh, ran a, a, an ad against her that was highlighting her tattoos as if she's some kind of horrible person. And, she, and she's like, those tattoos cover up my shrapnel wounds that I got while serving the country, you know? Um, <laughs> that's, uh, and then of course you got Jamie Harrison, who's- The fact that he's in play is amazing for South yeah. Carolina. You know, I, 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 I take some, some solace from those, and I've been pumping in some donations, as I know other people have, into those Senate seats. And we can segue, if, if, you, don't, if you don't mind, into, into this whole story about Trump and, and the election. I have to think that, that yes, I mean, the Lindsey Grahams are going to – I mean, he, Trump could actually shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue, and Lindsey Graham would find a way to justify I mean, he is that awful. But there are Republicans, and I mean, we see this slow erosion in places, whether it's the, the, the Lincoln Project or, or other places where people are just sort of like, I can't do this. This is too far. You probably saw the list of former generals uh, who have signed on to, mm -hmm. to endorse Biden, which in many cases are unprecedented. For those who haven't been paying attention, the Atlantic piece was that uh, Trump is talking to Republican officials in, in battleground states where the Republicans control state legislature and trying to examine possibilities of actually appointing Trump electors to override the vote in that state should he lose that state. What do you I think? know. I mean, the, the test will come after the election, right? I mean, if, yeah. if it's close enough that it's called into, into question, then all those Republican senators and Republican representatives are going to be on the hook for where, where do you, what are you going to do about this? Are you going to stand up to this? Or are you going to let your spineless body just fold yeah. over like it has been in the last four years? I think it is a true constitutional crisis. We've been throwing that phrase around for four years and I think we've had several, but this one is like the Mac daddy of constitutional crises. Yeah. 
partly because it is it is real and it is here you know the issue with ukraine that's a constitutional crisis but we did impeach him and then the senate just folded you know like we we went through the right channels and did and then we just lost out to basically politics and you know our our senate being too weak to do its job but this situation that could be presented could really show that we don't have a democracy we have we truly have an authoritarian in office and he's wielding his power and he's through threat and intimidation and just the excitement over their own power the republicans are going to be on the hook for are you going to stand up to this and call it what it is or are you going to just fall in line because all they've done for four years is fall in line yeah and so there is it is truly frightening to see that the way they're dealing with this now they're saying yeah we need to have a peaceful transfer of power they are not denouncing trump and what he has said no. which is different that's so they're they're that's trying true. to walk a fine line and still not stand up to him that's true i, I agree I, they're absolutely spineless and one of the things you and i've already talked about is that i think it was david Frum who said i think i quoted this before he said when republicans start losing elections they won't change their policies they'll try to change the rules that they don't really believe in the legitimacy of democrats leading and i think that's clear and we saw that with obama we saw it with clinton their approach to that is really so that that is troubling uh, it, it really and is. the Neither- only, the only I really believe the only remedy we have, and we we should keep talking about this. We should keep, you know, pointing out how insane and unconstitutional and dangerous it is for our democracy. But the main thing we have to do is beat him in a landslide, yeah. so that any idea that he may try to put forth of an illegitimate election is just passed off as you're just a sore loser. We can beat him in a landslide in a lot of other places, but it's going to take some serious work because in addition to just talking about it being an illegitimate election, he, he and the Republicans are doing everything possible to make voting so hard and to make the counting of ballots either considered illeg- illegitimate or to not even do it because yeah. they didn't get in in time. And then he's doing things to make sure they don't get in in time. I mean, it's right. literally voter suppression, wide open, out in the open. Yeah. And every Democrat is complaining about it. And Republicans are like, eh. yeah. <laughs> it's I just, mean, it's, it it's, is maddening. It is absolutely a get out the vote. I mean, that's always the case. I mean, honestly, you know, Hillary did not get out the the vote in um, places like Detroit and Milwaukee, places that were Obama kind of of, uh, strongholds. And so this is going to be incumbent on all of us to get out the vote because I agree with that completely. One other point, by the way, about Trump in terms of this, this is, again, somebody else made this point, but I I think it's worth noting. Uh, He is, has a past record of bluffing, 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 and then folding. I mean, on many issues, he has said, I'm going to do this, do this, do this. Now, to be fair, he has, you know, pulled out of the Paris um, Agreement. He's, uh, you know, pulled out of the Iranian uh, nuclear deal, which is a disaster that he did that. So he has done some things. They're all disasters. All of those were disasters. Yeah, correct. Correct. He hasn't done anything that hasn't been a disaster. But he's... He's not a very smart person. I understand that Bill Barr is a smart person, but I think Bill Barr, one of the things I'm seeing from him 
that I don't think I would have said a month ago. I'm seeing an arrogance from him that reveals that maybe he's not as good as as people give him credit. He's not some he's not Yoda. You know, he's not some <laughs> some Jedi master. Um, I think he's widely loathed within the attorney uh, within the Justice Department. And you never know how that's going to shake out. Somebody pointed out that Trump was doing this this week to distract from the fact that the polls are not going in his way. And, and Jennifer Rubin made this point, by the way, and I wanted to bring this up for you. I, I, you probably read this piece, but she said, you know, she completely understands why Democrats are freaking out about the polls and about all this. But she said, you know, the polls really weren't wrong in 2016. Uh, people read them incorrectly, but Hillary Clinton did win the popular vote. It was in those state issues in those states like Wisconsin, the, the margin there was so small. I mean, uh, you know, Trump likes to act like he just rolled over and and just crushed her. But actually, we're just talking we're talking a couple of percentage points in some key states. Now, that matters. That absolutely matters. Don't get me wrong. But one more things we're seeing from Trump is I think his internal polling, uh, the people I, I think they're afraid to tell him. But I think when they do tell him, it's not good. Um, he knows he's unpopular. He knows suburban women hate his fucking guts. You know, he knows that there's problems. That's why he's blustering. You said this at the beginning. He is planning to lose. That's why he's actually trying to to and that that's displaying the fear there that I think and he's trying to distract from things. Eric Trump has been ordered to testify in New York, by the way. You know, that's who knows what's going to happen because if, if his family starts going to prison in places that he as president can't do anything about what Democrats have to do. And I think, I think Bill, Joe Biden and Kamala are doing a great job of just staying the course and running a really successful campaign. And then it's up to their machinery. And those of us who are, I'm, I'm volunteering, by the way, I'm doing a training next week to, or a week after to text, get out the vote people. Yeah. And I think there was a great comment on Twitter right after the Atlantic piece had come out. Trump doesn't decide when he leaves office. We do. We the voters. And so it is, we just can't emphasize it enough. It is the only way. We need to fight on all the other fronts. And I really hope the Democratic leadership will talk tougher. It drives me nuts when Nancy Pelosi, you know, acts like he's not worth it. Like, actually, no, he as a person is not, but that presidency is. The office is worth it. We have to fight harder. And so, you know, if the Republicans are going to play dirty, we don't need to play dirty, but we need to play tough. So on this Supreme Court justice, they want to do that. They want to ram that through and be the hypocrites we know they are and they don't care that they are. I mean, they have no shame, so it doesn't matter to call them hypocrites. Like just that doesn't work. Right. What will work is to say, fine, you do that. And when we take over the presidency, we are going to add to the court because you have stolen this. You keep taking seats that didn't yeah. belong to you. So we're going to add to it. And by the way, we're winning the Senate and we're winning the presidency. So you might want to back off on your tough talk right now. Yeah. And, and they should just do that. They need to be. So what if they don't even do it? I mean, to be honest, there are a few tactics the Democrats could adopt from the Republican Party, which is to, you know, to really not, you don't have, you need to play fair, but you don't have to play nice, not when the other side yeah. isn't being nice. And so, and, yeah. and the other side has not played fair either. So I think when it comes to that, we need to be tougher on the front. And then we, it is just, it is get out the vote, get out the vote, get out yeah. the vote. Even in the midst of a really shitty week, honestly, it was, it was a week where uh, I felt the despondency really just sort of hit me. 
think there's an awful lot of good news. I mean, a lot of those Senate seats that are actually much more gettable than I think we thought doesn't mean we'll win all of them or any of them, but it does mean that they're there in, in play. Trump's unfavorables, uh, the, uh, the suburbs, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of positives there that I think we can, we can at least look at and say, that's good. Um, that's not enough, and we have to obviously keep pressing, but there's, there's, there's cause for hope, let me just put it that way. Yeah, and I think we even saw that immediately after RBD's passing that, well, most of us, like you and I had the same, just, it was like the air was just crushed out of your lungs. And then what happened? Democrats raised $70 million immediately. Yeah. You know, crooked media, they tried to, get, they wanted to do a push to help all the Democratic candidates. You know, they did that that night. They initially asked for, you know, their goal was 15 million and people crushed it in yeah. two hours. So then they, they raised it to 20 million. And in one night, they raised $22 million for their fund that goes to all of the various Democratic candidates yeah. fighting for Senate seats that are the most you know, in play, the ones that, right. are, that are gonna have the biggest chance. So we saw that it, it did energize Democrats and, and all of the things Trump did in the week right after that, all the things he has done this past week have right. only made us matter and yeah. And, you know, more motivated to do what we need to do. I too, I've signed up to take people to the polls. Yeah. I think, I think we gotta, we gotta be hitting up our, our friends. Um, honestly, when you see, this is honestly my advice. If, if you see people on, on social media uh, or friends are texting or email and saying, I'm just about to give up. I think send them a, a note saying, yeah, this is vote. Like your, your life depends on it. Vote you know, get your friends and neighbors out to vote for the same reason, but do not give up. We've got to, the worst possible situation is for Democrats to just throw up their hands and say, oh, well, what the fuck, you know? And so I think if we, if we get people out like we did in 2018, if, if we come close to that, I think Trump's in trouble. And I think it, it puts him in a situation where he can cry foul and all the way to his television network that he wants to create. Um, you know, and then which is just a stopover to jail because <laughs> oh. the minute he's out of office, he is going down. You got to think New York, the state of New York is, has got their eyes on him. Letitia James, and, she's like, come on, baby, come on over here, Trump. I got yeah. you. <laughs> Man, I mean, that, I mean, they're 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 in front of the, the district court again or the circuit court on on the tax. I mean, he is. I, you know, that's, that's the part. I think that should be hammered by everybody too. I'm, I'm going to back, I'm going to call Cory Gardner's office again and say, you know, I, I really would like to see Trump's taxes or I'd like somebody who knows what they're doing to see Trump's taxes. And I'm curious why you are not, you know, calling for them because he could just, you know, I mean, this is the thing that came up on one of the walls you and I were arguing with somebody uh, about uh, one of your friends, I think on Facebook. Oh, no. No. Not one of my friends. <laughs> but no, no, we weren't arguing with your friend. We were on your friend's right. wall. But if he were to release his taxes, it's possible they could dispel some of this kind of assumption about where money is and where money is coming in. But of course, I think there's somebody pointed out one of the things he may be hiding because we know this from the Cohen book and we know this from others that, you know, he has inflated the value of his properties to oh, get yeah. loans and then and then downplayed the pro, uh, the value when he was paying taxes. He could be looking at millions and millions of dollars in back taxes. Oh, 
I am sure a big part of why Trump doesn't want his taxes released, in addition to the likely illegal activity that's going on, is just that it will not show him to be nearly as rich as yeah. he wants us all to believe. And since you mentioned Facebook and our my friends, our mutual friends wall, shout out to Colleen Thomas, because she she is doing she's fighting the good fight too. She yes. is out there doing things to get the vote out, and that's exactly what we have to do. And she messaged me and was like, I hate 25% of the country. I was like, only 25%? <laughs> I hate 40% with a passion. And there's another 5% that, you know, this, I don't know who to vote for, who I hate even more. Because you know, yeah. get the F out with that. If you yeah. cannot decide, I honestly think you're worse. So get out the freaking vote. <laughs> yep. yep. And, and I, I apologize for Lori's use of freaking, by the way. I think that's <laughs> Did you see when I posted the Todd interview that there was yeah. no cursing in there? And I, I want that on the record. I, I'm surprised I haven't gotten any, any, any word from your mom about, you know, I, I just wanted to prove that I can. <laughs> it's time for a state sale, a podcast on American democracy, because America is better than 